Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Digital Dialogue, where empowering conversations fuses with design thinking. Our podcast is an initiative powered by the Grace One Guild production, which is the media hub for the Grace One Guild, a global think tank of sense makers engaged in curating and creating knowledge through observation, informed futurism, and perceptive analysis. All, perceptives, all perspectives shared on this show are individual views of the host or the guest and not represent any organizations. My name is Bosco Anthony, the host for the Digital Dialogue Show, and I'm currently based in Brisbane, Australia. My guest today is the president of Bowman Blue, a digital marketing agency. Based in Florida during a remarkable time in history, it is my pleasure to introduce Alex Di Carvalho, who is an honorary counsel of Finland. Alex, welcome to the Digital Dialogue. Thank you, Bosco. Glad to be here. How are you doing today during this remarkable time? I'm doing okay, all things considered. I'm uh, living in Miami and Florida and Miami-Dade County itself is kind of the epicenter right now. Seemingly we have more cases per day than New York had at its height. And so it's, um, it's pretty, uh, you know, I don't know what the right adjective is. So many adjectives come to mind. It's pretty mind-bending to be in this situation. Let's go back in time. I know I had just moved to Australia when my good friend Vicky McLeod had introduced me to the Grace One Guild and uh, mentioned that it would be worth my time coming into one of these meetings and getting to meet all these amazing folks from all around the world that had just you know, been invited to share a global perspective on what was going on in history. What were you doing back then and how did you hear about the Grace One Guild um, and what compelled you to join this amazing digital tribe? Well, I joined, uh, well, I submitted my POV in March, must have been mid-March. Mm -hmm. So it was right, you know, when uh, Florida went into lockdown or I actually, uh, I don't know if Florida went into lockdown, but Miami-Dade County and Broward County went into lockdown right after uh, St. Patrick's Day. So March 18th, we started our lockdown here. And it's about the same time I submitted my POV, Sean Moffitt, uh, one of the board members and, and co-founders of Grace One Guild, uh, direct messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, Alex. So I'd, I'd known Sean for about 10 years, at least. I'd, I'd spoken at an internet conference with him and we have mutual friends. And he just hit me up and said, Alex, Write 500 words on how, uh, how you feel right now and where you think the world is going. And that's how I got involved. I submitted the POV. I joined uh, one of these uh, calls, you know, Zoom calls with 40 people on it. And the looked like everyone was trying to set up some kind of organization and association. And I just kept joining different calls and started participating and contributing um, you know, over time. How... And yes, it's been amazing yeah. uh, to be uh, talking with people around the world, brilliant people from around the world, exchanging ideas and, and building something uh, pretty neat, pretty great together. So let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. You know, we're seeing people from all walks of life coming together in movements, uprising, digital tribes, and more importantly, aligning with various narratives and perspectives. Why do you think people are coming together during this time? I think people need to 
make sense of what's going on in the world, in their own personal lives, uh, with their work, and in the world in general. I think there are a lot of questions, and the nature of this pandemic is that not even the scientists know exactly what's going on. How is it transmitted? How does it uh, attack the body? Uh, new discoveries are made every day. Um, and so with so little uh, information, or maybe even an abundance of information, because everybody has some kind of opinion or information about this, people are really trying to make sense of, of what's happening and what does it mean for them. I think also the thing is people understood, you know, many people were laid off. I think, what is it, like 40 million Americans were laid off? Same thing around the world. So people figured out, you know, the work doesn't have any answers for them. In fact, <laughs> the workplace laid them off. And then government, many governments around the world had no answers. <clears throat> We're trying to figure out what this is and also figure out how to deal with it. So in the U.S., we experienced uh, any kind of programs were, were late, checks were late, took weeks for people to start getting any kind of any kind of unemployment compensation or, or loans, small business loans, as governments were, uh, you know, trying to adapt to what's happening. So because there were so little answers from outside, people needed to start to figure out what does it mean? What does it mean for them? Is it safe to go to the store? Uh, what do I need to do? And so I think people turned online to try to find some information and to get together with others, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, we were all looking for a sense of meaning and belonging and, and also sense making. So this sort of contributed to an opportunity for, for people to come together and I think find comfort in knowing that we all related to a similar feeling or a similar notion. And, and you know, having our own fears of where we're going and what we're evolving to, I think it, it does bring out some comfort knowing that we share some of this perspective together. Um, I was, I was, you know, in Canada when I first heard about the Amazon and what was happening to the, to the, to the trees and the rainforest. We then saw the bushfires in Australia and I had just moved to Australia at this point when, when the fires had hit its peak. We're hearing about mysterious elephant deaths in Botswana. And so my question is, is the pandemic fueling the need for us to pay attention to what's happening in the world when it comes to our habitat and nature? Or is the pandemic taking away from us paying attention to that, to that narrative? I think both the pandemic and what was happening with nature are linked. And because the pandemic meant a slowdown Everybody had to slow. I mean, people no longer could go to work, so they're stuck at home, uh, no longer could go out to places. And so uh, automatically their schedules kind of cleared up. So everybody slowed down and uh, started to understand what's happening, connect with each other uh, virtually. And, and I think uh, also this meant that people had time to think, how is it that we're impacting um, the world. So what we see is that this year, carbon emissions worldwide are going down by 8%. Coincidentally, this is what the world had to do to avoid a climate, uh, you know, shutdown, like a climate uh, cataclysm, was to reduce uh, <laughs> emissions by 7.5%. And this year is going to go down by 8%. Now, the thing is, 
we had to repeat this. It's not just one year of going down by 8%, but this had to be a repeatable reduction in emissions over several years, right? So at least we're going to do one year. But you see how the slowdown due to the pandemic allowed the Earth to breathe better because carbon emissions went down. And so somehow it's, it's all linked. And whether people consciously understand it's linked or unconsciously, uh, there, I believe there's a strong linkage there, especially since the virus itself came from nature. It came from an animal in nature, was transmitted to human beings. Right. So you're, what you're, you're alluding to is a sustainable world, a world where we start paying attention to how we treat it. And, and, and granted, this is something that, you know, scientists and people have been pushing for for many years. What does that sustainable world look like to, you know, in the future, in your perspective? I think we have to consider how much waste we're, we're doing and try to find uh, ways to get into a circular economy where there is better recycling of waste and, and less waste actually produced. I was thinking today when I went to the supermarket, I went to a nice grocery store and everything was, all the fruit were like in plastic, um, you know, wrapped in plastic somehow, plastic containers, strawberries and blueberries in plastic containers. And, you know, it's understandable. But when you go to farm, farmer's markets, it's not really like that. The fruits are not pre-packaged into plastic containers. They're kind of there. Um, and either the vendor or you grab the fruit, put in a, in a, in a, in a bag, paper bag or something, and, and go home. So farmer's markets are more sustainable than the processed food industry. And so... I believe we need to find new ways for the economy to become more circular, more aware and conscious of the waste that's being produced. Um, I, th I think, you know, I keep thinking here about how uh, so many people walk around with uh, or have small plastic bottles of water. You know, <laughs> this is basically a glass of water in plastic and this is single use plastic. And once you drink that water, you discard it. Now imagine if every single glass of water you ever had in life was like that in a plastic bottle, how much waste even a single human being is is producing in plastic. And um, I find that's problematic. I agree. And it's, it's interesting you mentioned plastic because we've been doing a lot of online shopping during this isolation period. And you can also say the same thing about packaging and how you buy this little piece of item and it comes in this massive box with a ton of other, you know, packaged pieces that come with it that's unnecessary. So, you know, it's interesting because I, I've seen various point of views and perspectives shared on the Grace One Guild website. Mine was linked to leadership, yours was linked to sustainability and, and many various narratives. Um, and I, I believe that leadership has to evolve and change. But how do we spark this conversation to move from ideas and ideology to action to prompt this sustainable world? You know, Naomi, um, Naomi, I think it's, uh, I forget her last name, but Naomi um, wrote a book called um, Disaster uh, Capitalism. And basically, when you have major um, catastrophes like 9-11 or this pandemic, 
whatever ideas are floating around in society are the ones then that get acted on. And so I believe it's so important to have new types of ideas emerge and the types of ideas that are towards a sustainable world, a better world, a world that's not on the verge of climate catastrophe. Um, how can we do better? And then whenever something like this happens, we have the time to come back and grab those ideas and then take action on them. So the idea has to exist first. The dream has to exist first to generate the ideas. And then based on those ideas, you can take action. So let's make sure that we have good ideas out there and not, you know, perhaps corporate controlled ideas. You know, through corporate lobbying, politicians are fed what the corporates think is right. But is that the best for humanity? You're right. With with everything that's going on, with all the different narratives and a time when we've seen, you know, so much inequality being brought up to light. And, you know, I find this fascinating that we're in the year 2020 or 2020 and we're still having the conversation of classes. We're still having the conversation of inequality while we're supposed to be this progressive society. Based on everything you're observing, where do you think the world is evolving to today? So I think, uh, so the, the author I was trying to think of is Naomi Klein. Um, I think what we have seen uh, the world uh, going towards is kind of an unfettered type of capitalism. Even China is very capitalistic. Um, you know, communism failed, and rightly so. But then the world went into liberalism and into neoliberalism, which is a type of laissez-faire capitalism. It's shareholder capitalism. The only thing that matters is shareholder profits, you know, profits for the shareholders and stock price. And the community, the environment, the worker are left behind, far behind the shareholder. This is really what is what, uh, you know, the US, uh, the US's model is very much like this. So regulations are taken away, you know, there's no more regulations on the environment, on what corporations can do, right, there are less, less and less uh, regulations, which really creates uh, this very aggressive neoliberal type of capitalism, shareholder capitalism. And so it looks like the world has been going that way. Now, is that the right way? I would say no. If, if that way brought us to where we are now with rising inequality, income inequality and, and uh, wealth inequality and to the brink of a climate disaster, then that model doesn't work. It doesn't work for anyone, right? And so hopefully we're going to scale back neoliberalism. So when I say scale back neoliberalism, it doesn't mean going towards a socialist model or a communist model. It does not mean that at all. Scaling back neoliberalism means keeping liberalism, keeping capitalism, but having more of a balance between shareholders and employees and the community and the environment, right? Kind of evening out the, the playing field. And I think companies that do even out the playing field 
will be rewarded. I think there's kind of a higher consciousness that's happening in the world. I think millennials and the newer generations understand that they want to live in a better world. They don't want to live in a world of climate, in an apocalyptic climate <laughs> disaster world. They also want to live in a nice world, just like we did. And so they will favor companies that do take care of the environment and, and of the employees and communities. Okay. So I was excited to see how the Gray Swan Guild was formed and, and where we're building you know, a story and a narrative of collective ideas, thought process, perspectives, leadership, diversity, and inclusion. How can the world learn from this initiative? What's been uh, fascinating to me is how um, so many of us, there were 60 points of view that were submitted. <clears throat> and at least half of those people became involved in organizing Grace Swan Guild. And we didn't know each other before. I only knew one person, that was Sean Moffat. And I met 40, 50 other people in the process over the, the last few months. And we've been working towards building something. And I'm very inspired by how uh, well we've been building. With no governance, we uh, agree to participate, to contribute. And I think truly this is a model for the world, um, for different groups of people to come together and to uh, work together in community, in virtual community, towards something better. You know, when your workplace is not stable and, and has laid you off, and when the government has no answers, how are we going to build something new, right? Well, it's up to us to gather in community and in virtual community if we're going to be locked up at home gather up in virtual communities and start building something together. So let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, I was, you know, part of the crew that came together and we've seen this evolve into new waves of leaderships. And, you know, I want to congratulate you because you are the next wave of leadership for the next publication, the next series of where this is evolving to. And my thoughts is, is what does the future look like for the Gray Swan Guild with your, your, you being part of that co-jointed leadership aspect? You know, it's the, the fascinating thing is that Gray Swan Guild is, is evolving so quickly. And so as we build, we're figuring out the different possibilities and, and avenues for us. And, um, you know, obviously one of them is to collect points of view diverse points of view from all corners of the world and make publications and make those available. So that is one avenue of, of work. It's kind of a sense-making type of work, uh, but it could also be trend spotting and, and future forecasting kind of work. Uh, so that's one thing, but maybe it will evolve into other types of um, initiatives as well. Uh, I very much applaud you for starting the podcast initiative. I think uh, this is fantastic. It's a way for us to um, share ideas and get them published in a, in a new way, uh, in a faster way, you know, new way uh, as opposed to doing a publication. Um, you know, we have this avenue as well. And I hopefully this will grow. And I'm sure we're going to find new, new initiatives, new avenues uh, as well in the future. Being a podcast host, you're always looking for 
amazing topics and, and people to, to interview. And I think we are not running short of talent in any of those perspectives. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, we definitely have a collective group of people that have come together um, for the common good. I had a question about purpose. You know, I feel, you know, as a digital strategist, my purpose has been always to empower the digital brands that I work with. And that hasn't changed or swayed so much during this pandemic period. If anything, that purpose has, has been heightened. And I'm curious to know if you had a purpose prior to the pandemic, did it evolve? Did it change? Did it stay the same for you when, when the pandemic hit? I think the pandemic made me think a lot about <laughs> what is going on and what is it that I want. So I think um, still developing a purpose, but I'm far deeper into the process than I was before the pandemic. What, what I realize is that my time, like now that I have so much time, I'm wondering where did my time go to? Why was I so busy before? What was my calendar filled up with before? And now that I'm no longer running around town uh, to different events and things, um, I'm thinking, well, what, what was I really spending my time on? And I think sitting at home with all this time allows, gives me the opportunity to, to go inside and, and understand who I am and what it is that I want. Um, I study Carl Jung and his, his teachings and his books. And Carl Jung talks about the shadows. We all have shadows inside. And so this is really a, an amazing moment to kind of take some time and sit with the shadows, sit with your fears, sit with uh, whatever comes up and, and integrate that. And as a result, become a new, uh, a new type of person. And I think I'm very much in that process. It's kind of a cocoon kind of process, kind of a caterpillar that is cocooning and becoming a butterfly. I think this is happening to a lot of people. They're cocooned now inside their homes um, and they're gonna emerge as amazing new beings. Talk about embracing the shadows and I really wanna embrace the light. And when I talk about embracing the light, I, I was, I was you know, absolutely amazed hearing your perspective and your point of view when you recently shared it with the group. And I feel like it, it is some amazing light that the world needs to hear in an audible format as well. So I was wondering if you'd be, uh, if you would do us the honor of actually reading your perspective for all our audiences out there um, and sharing what you, what you came and brought to light. Wow, okay, yeah, thank you, uh, Bosco. You know, in this process of sitting at home and thinking, I uh, started to um, put some things together and I wrote, uh, it's not exactly a poem. It's not exactly, I don't know what it is. It's some kind of format. It takes about two, two minutes, two and a half minutes. So let me go into that. And so Bosco, I'd like to ask you to focus on your breath. Inhale. Exhale. Days turned into weeks, turned into months while we waited for the pandemic to disappear. But this plague is like a dragon flying outside the safety of our caves. And this fire-breathing dragon had reared its head months before, igniting the Amazon, setting fire to Australia and throughout Southeast Asia, Central Africa and Europe, and even 
the Arctic is burning, our Earth is burning down, the lungs of our planets are burning, and the Earth can't breathe. As people venture into forests and animals venture out to graze on the cleared land, the potential for animal-to-human transmission increases. And so a new pandemic emerged to rob us of our breath, and so quickly thousands of people found themselves in hospital beds strapped to ventilators pumping air into their lungs. The earth couldn't breathe and we couldn't breathe. And then George Floyd couldn't breathe as he was being choked for eight long minutes and 46 seconds, spending his heartbreaking last breaths pleading to his departed mother with the words, I can't breathe. The earth, George Floyd, and us, we can't breathe. Breath differentiates the animate from the inanimate. God breathed life into man. And people are now succumbing to pneumonia from the Greek word pneuma, meaning vital spirit, soul, creative force. The ancient Latin, Greek, and Hebrew words for breath also mean spirit. When we inhale, our heartbeat increases. When we exhale, our heartbeat decreases. This dance between breath and heart is like a passionate tango for some and a leisurely waltz for others. Heart and lungs are inseparable, just like we are inseparable from each other and we are inseparable from the earth. We are all together in this dance with our planet and with each other. As days turned into weeks, turned into months, I am reminded that the future is calling us to create new ways of seeing and being in the world. It is our ethical duty to do better going forward. This is why I'm helping create new ways of thinking and being for a better future. As days turn into weeks, turn into months, I am reminded that spirit wants to breathe. It's just beautiful, Alex. And it's, uh, as you said, it's a dance between heart and breath. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for your time, energy, and viewpoints today. This was an incredible start to our podcast journey. Uh, before we, we shape up our podcast and say farewell, I just wanted to see if you had any parting words or, or words of wisdom to share with us uh, before we, we end this, this podcast today. Bosco, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here uh, sharing this time and space uh, with you. I'm so, um, I feel so grateful for the work we're doing together, for being able to uh, commune with uh, such amazing people from around the world. Um, and to create these new things. Um, my words of wisdom are just breathe, you know, breathe in the moment, breathe in this moment in gratitude. We all need to breathe, my friend, and I appreciate your, your energy with me today. I encourage everyone to visit the website, www.gracewangill.org, to view our publishings from various global perspectives, perspectives, including this one from Alex. This is Bosco Anthony signing off, saying Asante Sana, and thank you for listening. Thank you.